that your guarantee is that you hear and you answer. And we thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen, 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 amen. So um, I thought I would deviate just a little bit from the healing. You know, every time we, we speak the word, though, it heals. So we, we do have healing power in the word. But I was just thinking about this last week. In fact, I uh, did these notes for a sermon last week, but uh, God had me do something else. But it seems appropriate now because the uh, title is Your Next Step is War. Amen. Your next step is war. Uh, war is unavoidable. Jesus guaranteed there would be wars and rumors of war. You know, as much as humanity tries not to have war, we still have them. Huh? Still have them. One of the reasons for that is that the war that is fought down here on earth really started in heaven. And so we inherited war. It's always going to be here. The Bible says there will be wars, rumors of wars, um, earthquakes, so forth, destruction in diverse places. Uh, but the war that started in heaven, really your, your guide for that is the book of Revelation, especially starting in, in chapters 12 and going to the end. And you see that Lucifer started the war in heaven. Uh, Lucifer was the archangel people believed was a sign of Jesus. So Jesus coming to the earth was really to retrieve his wayward servant. Because he doesn't lose anything. He's not a loser. If he had to chase Satan all the way back down to earth and subdue him at Calvary, then that's what he did. Amen? So God is not a loser. He is going to win at every turn. But part of what happened with us was we got caught up in the in the war because we had to make choices in the garden we chose the wrong thing chose to disobey and distrust god and so that old nature has disobeyed and distrusted god ever since so with christ god is bringing us back to a level of trusting him and not trusting in what we see and what we hear but trusting only in his word takes discipline takes commitment it takes love and so part of what we are learning as christians is how to love god how to love humanity and how to win when when people talk about winning things that's not ungodly talk it is 100 percent. what do you want to do be a failure all your life and nobody starts out saying well i just want to get up and work hard and fail at everything you want to win. God put that attitude in us in the garden when he told, he blessed the man and the woman and said, go win. He said, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the, you know, you got to think about what God was saying when he said that. He said, be successful. Now, I admit there are people that take that out of context and want you to think success has to do with material things. That's a part of it, but that's not really what God's talking about. He wants you to know that you have an enemy that wars against you constantly, and you first win against him. In Genesis chapter 3, when God put the curse on the earth, the man, the woman, and the serpent, amen, 
The first thing he promised them was a redeemer who would do what? Get revenge on the serpent. Crush his head. First of all, I'm sending somebody to take care of him. Crush his head. And yeah, he'll cause you a little trouble. He'll he'll bite your heel, but that's only because he's blind and licking dust and trying to find you. You got an enemy who's blind and licks dust and is trying to find you. He can't find you because your life is hid with Christ and God. So what he does, he threatens you all day and all night. Oh, you ain't this. Oh, you ain't that. Who you think you are? What you going to do? I know one thing, devil, I ain't serving you no more. I got that much sense. Amen. And so we have to be that way. Because our first stop is war. Once you get across the into the promised land, you'll fight for everything else. You can't just sit back and, I'm confessing the word. Yeah, because the devil can't hear you. You're no threat to him. And you ain't hardly making a decent confession because you don't know who you're confessing to, what you're confessing about, and if it's going to do you any good. So you got to address the Lord of war. He's looking for us. Just like he looked for Joshua. Before he crossed Jericho, he ran into that man with the sword in his hand. Joshua said, are you for them or for us? He said, neither one. I'm the boss. I want to know, are you for me? Huh? That's all God's ever wanted to know out of anybody is, are you for him? You got to assume he's for you or he wouldn't be in your life. Now he wants to know, are you on his side? Are you for him? Are you all in for what he wants to do in the earth? Amen. Are you committed? Are you one of those people who are just going to pray for a little bit and then drop out and say, oh, them watchmen, they don't know what they're doing. You know, you got to stand or stay around long enough to find out if we do or not. Hey! And once you do, you hooked. Yeah, the stay around people are always the ones who are hooked. Go sneaking around to somebody's dead church and go easing back up in here. They ain't doing what y'all doing over here. I know they ain't. Huh? Because it's going to cost you something to do what we do. Not that we're doing anything unusual, unique, perfect, or anything like that. We're just trying to obey God. You understand what I'm saying? And we feel like everybody ought to be doing this. But you know for yourself, they're not. Most churches have prayer on 5 o'clock in the morning on Wednesday. And probably ain't having much of that because they don't let the old people out no more. With Rona running around. Huh? They don't. Everybody on quarantine. So the little bit of prayer that was being done, it's not being done now. That's why it's so dark out here. You know, President Trump does speak on God's behalf at times. You understand what I'm saying? Not every word that comes out of his mouth is right. Nobody's is. But when he said this nation needs more prayer, not less prayer, that was God talking. 
Cause I feel the same way. I felt that way ever since we've, ever since I've been a Christian. We need more prayer, not less. We need people who won't faint. We need people who's not just in it for them. And when they don't get what they want, they want to quit. They want to stop praying. They stop coming to church. They stop giving. They stop doing all of those things. I thank God that if you're committed and you do his will, he'll find a way to override all them little manipulations people put out there to shut you down. There are people who don't care if a church shuts down. Seriously, they backbite people and talk about them, all kind of stuff, and and would love to see you just quit preaching, go out of business or whatever. They could care less about Somebody that God has called not being able to fulfill what God called them to do. Not understanding if you hurt another child of God, you hurt yourself. Because we're a body. Amen? And so, you know, you see a lot of this backstabbing, backbiting, and and nonsense going on among church people. And I just praise God for the people who stand, withstand it, tough it out. Know that it comes and it goes. None, it means nothing as far as whether or not God still wants you to do what you're doing. Amen. As long as doors are open somewhere, he wants somebody doing something. But there's too much criticism of everything good anymore. And as believers and intercessors and watchmen, we got to make sure we don't line up with the negative people out there who are always condemning something. I mean, to some people, nothing is right. And everything is to be judged and criticized. And that's, that's to me, that's the accuser of the brethren talking through human flesh. Amen? Because the church can thrive very well without so much criticism. If, if, if the only person that can criticize us is the head of the church. And anybody can pray and go to God and find out, God, do I need to change something? Do I need to adjust something? Am I doing something that's not correct in your eyes? Anybody can do that. So we don't need one another to nip at each other's heels. Amen. We need to be able to encourage one another. The Bible is, if you read the epistles, those books are full of of admonitions of us to quit believing everything that, that's wrong and, and start believing God, encourage one another in the work of the ministry, just to be people who hold each other up and not try to tear each other down. And so that's really the work of intercession. That's the work of the church. And we war against these forces that would come against, like, you know, if you see somebody on your social media account uh, uh criticizing oh people in the pastors don't do this and don't do that well you're not the head of the church i have no clue of what goes on elsewhere all i know is what god's told me to do and i need to focus and be about doing it myself and not trying to judge and discourage other people from doing what god has called them to do i have no clue but see when you set yourself up as judge jury and executioner You're on dangerous territory because God wants everybody to thrive. He forgives everybody. So if people are making mistakes in the way that they manage God's flock, God will straighten them out. He said, the Bible says, who are you to criticize another man's servant? Amen. God is able able to make them stand or fall. You can't do either one. And so when we understand the mission 
of the body of Christ. And we understand the mission of the church. We are to speak for God. We are to speak as the oracles of God. We have the gifts of the Holy Spirit to give us the words. When you get in the realm of the Spirit and you go to pray about a situation, you don't just pick up scriptures totally by memory. The Holy Spirit is feeding those to your heart and giving you what to speak into these uh, difficult situations. And so when we recognize that that's what we're here for, we're understanding that our next step is war. Your next step after you're born again is to learn how to fight. People, you know, when back in the day when I got started, people would say, we going to teach on spiritual warfare and half the church runs out the door. Oh, well, you just can't tell everybody that kind of stuff. It's for mature Christians, I beg to differ. You know, we put prayers in the hands of small children in our meetings and they pray them just like everybody else. You know, read the word, pray in tongues, and that's that's watching prayer. Amen? See, God makes it so simple. Then all the people who have told you all your life that how challenging prayer is and, oh, you can't do this and that. No, God told us to write the vision down and make it plain so that anybody who reads it can run with it. And that's what we do. You have more word in you than you know. If you sit down and read them prayers over a period of time, that word is in you already. Amen. Just by speaking it, repeating it, and it's appropriate to every situation that we pray for. So you never have any doubt about how to pray. Or you got to come in one day and say you had a dream about this was over Cleveland and this was over this city and this was. No, just wait a minute. Hold it. Oh, 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 wait, wait. Hold it. We go with the Bible around here. Know what I'm saying? We don't go with what you saw. I see a lot of stuff, too. It ain't all God. Huh? You know, when I want to eat something extra, I see three hamburgers floating by my... Come on now. But God wants us to understand war. When I started this ministry over 30 years ago, the Lord told me, I asked the Lord, I said, well, Lord... What am I doing here? Because I, everybody who knows the, the testimony knows how that prayer manual was developed. In about a month's time, I wrote every prayer that's down there. See, the Bible says that you, you your tongue is like a pen of a ready writer. So that's the gift of the ready writer. How do you think people wrote the scriptures and kept them all those years? It's It's a ready writing gift. Amen. That's why they called them scribes. They sat there and they wrote as they were inspired by the Holy Spirit. And so I began to ask God. I said, well, God, what else am I going to do? He said, you do this. And I said, well, am I going to do anything else? You know, you just want to. He said, if you do this, he said, you'll fulfill what I've called you to do. And he said, did you know that I cannot find many people who will study war? He said, there are some. He said, along the way, you'll get to know who they are because you will find a kinship with them in their writings and their teaching. And I found out most of them are dead. We don't have many live ones now. We have a lot of people that talk about this and talk about this spirit and that spirit, not name dropping on devils. Huh? 
if you can get in your little group and we can all talk about the same devil, that means we got something. Okay, you identified him, but what are you doing about him? You making him quit? Or you just having a conversation about him? See, when God reveals things to you, he gives you authority, anointing, revelation, and understanding of how to defeat them things. Or you're not involved in no warfare. You're not just calling out names of devils just to see what's going to shake loose. These things you got to labor with. That abortion devil has has vexed me and perplexed me and frustrated me for years. Now, I get over it. I get peace about it eventually. Keep on praying. But for years, I was asking God, what is the problem? How come we can't get rid of this thing? Since 1973 or 6 or whatever you, come on now, God. Then finally, this year, it was 2019, it was revealed to me. There's believers working in abortion clinics. You can't win a war when an army's divided. Them people got to come out of there. And I was so thankful, the girl who wrote the unplanned thing, she was she was working in an abortion clinic and got more believers over in there. It's Catholics outside her job praying for her, and it's Catholics inside doing the devil's work. So there's the answer. We got to shake the believers out of it. God put shame on them. Convict them. Show them. Let them see. Don't let them stay blinded to this. Let them see what they're doing and cause them to repent. You understand what I'm saying? I got to repent. Everybody does. Everybody does wrong. And so these are the things that this is what we mean by warfare. It's the stand against the thing that's not popular to stand against. Or the thing that other people sweep under the rug and and pretend like it's not as bad. Well, I don't really believe in it. Oh, really? You don't stand against it? Oh. God took Israel to the promised land. Took them up to the door. (laughs) what makes the difference between getting up to the door and getting in is your desire to fight your resolve to fight Paul said an effectual door of opportunity has opened unto me but along with that many adversaries there's always adversaries at the door I think the devil is just going to let you pray and walk on into stuff and Take stuff away from him. He the kind of dude that once you get this stuff, he'll follow you and try to take it back. You ever had somebody, you know, like <laughs> boyfriend, girlfriend stuff. Your boyfriend give you something to get mad at you and then want it back again. Oh, yeah, like, no. Oh, excuse me. Sorry, I didn't know who I was talking to. You all have never experienced that. Well, if it ain't a boyfriend, girlfriend, it's a bestie, BFF, or somebody, they fall out with you and they want their stuff back. 
Well, that's the way the devil is. He ain't going to let you just come and take. You think he's going to let you have his breakfast, lunch, and dinner? If he sees you eating something you took back from him, he try to give you indigestion. And tell you it ain't right for you. You can't eat all that rich food like that. It's just bad for you. You need to eat some health food. Get you to throw everything out like a numbskull and spend your money twice. And you no healthier, no thinner, no nothing. Huh? <laughs> Turn to Numbers chapter 14. Because this gives you an understanding of how human a problem this is. It's 100% human to be fearful of warfare when you see it. It's part of the carnal frame to be fearful. The Bible says God did not give us that spirit. So anything God did not give you, you can refuse. He didn't give us sickness. When he created us in the garden, we were healthy. Amen. But then sickness came as part of the curse. So he has to allow it in certain situations. But he is anxious to get us out of that power so we can live healthy like he created us to be. Anything that's not good for you, God did not give it to you. So fear is a spirit that kind of hovers around us to keep us from entering in to what God has for us. Fear will always harass you every time there's something new to do or something God wants you to have. Fear will come and interfere with what God is doing that's good in your life. So you will have to learn how to deal with it. Amen. You're going to have to master what it says to you, how it approaches you, how you deal with it. That's really studying war. Now, when you can can understand those things and just be open to God to show you things like that, Most people, when they're afraid, they show some physical response, nervous, anxious, worry. Things will stay on your mind until you get peace about it, resolve it, all that. You know, the Bible gives you the cure for that, to just pray and make your request known to God and wait for his peace to descend upon you, because it will. Once God hears you, he wants to reassure you that he's heard you and the answer is on the way. Amen? So it's just good to understand that you don't pray and go back, go out nervous again. That you haven't really accepted what God has offered to you. Stay in that place of prayer and anticipation of God's response to give you reassurance that he heard you and the answer's coming. Now many times we'll get into situations and we automatically have peace, but it's good to put it before God and say, God, now... If if this is you, you you need to give me instruction. You need to give me uh, how it's going to happen. And then sometimes you can walk in in such peace and, and faith in God that you don't need to have details. That doesn't make you any better than the person that needs the details. You understand what I'm saying? That's just how it's worked out for you in that instance. Because you're going to have something that's going to mess your head up. Trust me. Because the devil always wants to take you to the next level. He wants to put you in doubt and jeopardy 
about what God is going. Yeah, he did at that time, but girl, you've been, you ain't been doing right. Look at what you've been doing. Been eating all that stuff and taking your money and taking it here and taking it there. You ain't been tithing. You ain't been doing nothing right with your money. I mean, he can't help you. Huh? Well, devil, if he can't help me, I don't know who he can help. Because if I'm the worst of people, then he's looking for me, he says, to help me. Amen. I'm going to repent and quit listening to you and, and turn my heart toward, toward God because he's looking for me to help me. Amen. And so we, we have to understand the strategies of the enemy to keep us in fear. Fear immobilizes people. Keeps them from making a step forward. To learn anything about how to be successful, how to have success that God has promised us. Uh, it's not, like I say, it's not always in a material realm. Don't be so anxious for material things only, but understand that God has, you know, he talks about mammon being unrighteous. And God's a righteous God. But he tests us in the unrighteous things and then he will open our understanding up into the spiritual realm. And so he'll test you to see if you're money hungry. He'll test you to see if you fall out with him because you'll get a bill paid when you want to pay. Amen. And if you flunk the test last month, it's coming again this month. So he gonna make sure you pass it. Amen. Oh, he don't have no dummies and retards getting advanced and getting degrees and papers in, in the spiritual school. We don't have that. You either pass or you keep repeating. Uh-huh. Some people want to get advanced in God because I've been saved long enough. Oh, really? If longevity did it, <laughs> you wish. So in Numbers chapter 14, we have a little backdrop here and <clears throat> to give you an understanding that this is is a an attitude that will plague people when they come newly into the kingdom of God. And, and, and oftentimes after you've been walking with God for a season, these things will grip you and try and immobilize you. So in Numbers 14, we'll start in verse 20, I guess. And the Lord said, I have pardoned according to thy words, but as truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Because all those men which have seen my glory and my miracles, which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, and have tempted me now these ten times, and have not hearkened to my voice. Does God count how many times? Oh, yeah. Huh? Now, under the old covenant, there was a limit on your grace because they were under the law. Law was very specific in what God would do if you didn't repent and respond to him a certain number of times. Also, it was specific in how long the curse would, would last on your family, on your offspring, all of that stuff, because it was a legal document. Just like we have laws, laws of the state of Ohio, the Ohio Revised Code, whatever they call it, Every state has one. Every nation has one. These are laws that we live by. God's Bible, laws that we live by. 
the law should be written on our hearts if you're a New Testament Christian. And so when God expects you to obey certain laws, he will he will have you hide them in your heart first by hearing them. So everybody who's under the sound of voice now is committed to study war and to learn war and to understand that you're not just begging God for stuff and giving you stuff, but you're learning how to be a warrior in his kingdom. How to do your own fight. Why should I be limited by somebody who don't want to study and don't want to pray and all that talk? No, God, let me strike out on my own and do my own thing. I might miss some stuff. I might mess up. I might do some wrong things, but at least it'll be my mistakes. I don't want to be tied to a bunch of people who don't want to do anything. Amen? And you don't either. And so he said, because all those men which have seen my glory, they've seen glory. They've seen miracles. What did God do? He opened the Red Sea up. They walked across, didn't even have mud on their shoes. Amen. Your your fake uh, Louboutin. You step right in that dry land and step in them little red bottoms were just as nice when you got across. Huh? Oh, they probably had designer stuff back there. What you think they did just was looking grubby and stuff? No, they had finery. They had gold. They had jewels. They had, they was dressed to the nines. And then God gonna make you walk in mud? No, he was that gracious. So then the Red Sea opens up. They go across there. They start walking in through the wilderness and God begins to do more miracles. Every morning they get up their breakfast, they get room service. All you got to go out and pick out enough for the day. You don't have to buy no refrigerator. You don't have to keep no, do no canning, no nothing. Just go out and get your fresh food every morning. God took care of them. A daily miracle for 40 years. And then God begins to tell them the next phase. And then everybody freaks out. Because in the next phase, they're going to have to live on their own efforts. It's not given to them. Got to live under their own power. It's not just handed to them. Amen. God put man in the garden, taught him to work. We're supposed to work. The Bible says you don't work, you don't eat. Amen. And so he wants, and you don't help people by just feeding them all the time. God found that out. Huh? If that's all you want, you're only going to get 40 years of that in God's book. And then you're out of here. You could live a long time if you learn the word. Just saying. So he says here, verse 23. He says, you've tempted me now 10 times and not hearken to my voice. You haven't done one thing I told you to do. Surely they shall not see the land which I swore to their fathers, neither shall any of them that provoked me see it. Hmm. You know, rebellious people, let me tell you something that that you need to be aware of. People who are disobedient to God, and we continue to pray for them, maybe this is why. They're not going to see nothing good as long as they're determined to resist God. In fact, you can, God can bless people and they'll swear it came from someplace else. You got me? 
It's hard to bless sinners. It's it's really is. And and God wants everybody to live by faith. If he don't teach us to live by faith, we are being cheated out of the major reason for living. The Bible says the just shall, will, must, have to live by faith. And when he returns, he wants to see if there's faith down here somewhere so he can bring a blessing. He's not going to be able to bring anything if we're disbelieving him, if we're going against his word, if we're living against his principles. He's not going to be able to do anything for us. It might hurt your feelings sometime to to obey God. It has mine. Till I got over it, I realized, I said, oh, okay, well, <laughs> you know, like you said, you're going to do it anyway. You know what I mean? I can either go along and, and smile and, and try to rejoice until it catches up with me. He says, surely, verse 23, they shall not see the land which I swore to their fathers, neither shall any of them that provoked me see it. Why? They won't be able to hold on to it. If you don't believe God for the things in your life, he can give them to you and you won't be able. It's better for him not to even give it to you. Huh? He said, but my servant Caleb, now this is interesting. God knows who believes him and who doesn't. See, this is why I tell people, don't be so concerned about what the church down the street is doing, teaching, believing, what's going on in there. Because you can believe God yourself and be the only one that gets to go in. You believe God. He didn't call on you to, to find out if somebody else is believing him. I've had people call me for ages and text me, Facebook me, email me. God said we supposed to do so. I said, well, you better go do it. Time's a wasting. They don't even respect that God will speak to people. You don't come and gather up some kind of crowd to want to go and follow God. You better follow him yourself. That's why a lot of times the people in your household don't get saved. They watch you to see if you're going to really do what you claim you. Huh? They, they see you follow him good yet. You know, people watch you for 10 years and still swear it's put on. It's fake. They don't really think like that. They try to act like they pray all the time. They, they don't do that. Huh? He said, but my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit. <laughs> you want to be the person with that other spirit. You don't want to have the mob mentality spirit. You don't want to go along with the crowd everywhere. You want to have that other spirit. Amen. You want to have the Holy Spirit. You want to hear from God and and follow him. And have followed me fully. Him I will bring into the land where until he went. And his seed shall possess it. So you want your children to prosper? This is how you do it. You follow God. Huh? Quit watching their every move and every little thing. You just follow God and let God bring them along. He says, him will I bring into the land whither unto he went and his seed shall possess it. 
And now the Amalekites and the Canaanites dwelt in the family. Tomorrow turn you and get you into the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, saying, How long shall I bear with this evil generation? How long? God has a time limit that he puts up with evil. Don't think for one minute he's not watching, he's not moving, he's not mobilizing, he's not doing what he needs to do to deal with it. He gives people a long time to repent. The Bible says he's not slack concerning his promise, but he's long-suffering because he doesn't want to send people to hell. He wants them to, to repent and and lean on him. He says, I've heard the murmurings of the children of Israel, which they murmur against me. Ooh, uh-oh. Mad at somebody in the church? Mad at God? Don't want to go to church no more? Go pouting? Go swole up? And, Looking funny, huh? Huh? Well, you know, you know the drill. <laughs> but God hears it all, and He keeps record of it until you repent, huh? He's merciful, but we got to change our ways. He says, say to them, as truly as I live, says the Lord, as you have spoken in my ears, I will do that to you. Hmm. You can have what you say, even in the, what, third or fourth book of the Bible? Huh? God says he answers us according to our vanities. He said, your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness. You know why he let that happen? Because that's what they accused him of. God, you brought us here to kill us. You want our carcasses to fall dead here. He said, okay, you can have what you say. You won't change your tune. You won't hook up with the brothers that's in faith. Hello. See, sometimes all you got to do is get with the right crowd, whether you know what you're doing there or not. <laughs> Call herd mentality. That's how people stay healed. That's how new new believers stay healed when they don't know anything about healing. They just quit fighting everything and just go along with the crowd. Well, these people say, you know, I can believe God, but maybe I I should believe that. I mean, that's really all it takes. It's called faith. It's called faith. Amen? I did that with many things that were taught. I came into the, the things of God I didn't know anything about right wrong and you know i i just assumed people lived like i used to live i mean i was a christian but when i would hear people say things like well well you know uh, uh, a a nice couple at the church are going to chaperone me and my fiance so that we don't have sex with each other before we get married and i said huh what you understand it was new to me all these things moral things were new because I had not lived that way. That was the first time as around believers who really lived a holy standard. Now, I knew a lot of people had said they were saved, but they were doing everything I was doing. And I realized God had moved me out of darkness over into the kingdom of light. He cares about us. If you're sincere and you want to live for God, he's not going to put you around a bunch of hypocrites. 
and a bunch of uh, full-time sinners and people that, you know, have a good word in front of people and then get home and live in it. He's not going to put you with people. He's going to put you with people of like precious faith. He says, you're not going to see it. He says, I'm going to do with you like you tell me I'm going to do. Your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness and all that were numbered of you according to your whole number from 20 years old and up, which have murmured against me and not repented. Doubtless you shall not come into the land concerning which I swear. When he says doubtless, that means you bet your bottom dollar, baby. He says you shall not. This is covenant talk. Covenant, a covenant is immovable. You shall not come into the land concerning which I swear to make you dwell there, except for Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun. Two men out of what? Two million when they first crossed? You want to be the two. It, It don't feel goofy if you're the only one you know who believes like you believe. You understand what I'm saying? Because you can see the multitude of people do not believe God. Not when push comes to shove. Not when it comes to really stepping out and doing something. Not when it comes to showing action to their faith. The people that really will stay in there and show action to their faith are few and far between. You got Bible evidence of that. But that don't stop you from I'm sure Joshua and Caleb used to have praise parties and faith parties and word parties, just the two of them, because they couldn't talk to anybody else. So you might as well encourage one another, because if you're the only two still believing God, you better find that little buddy and hang in with them, huh? And find out what God wants, the business that your father wants you to be about, you got to be about doing it. And you've got to be committed to it. He says, your little ones, which you said shall be a prey. I'm not going to, I'm not going to fulfill your words with them. I'm going to be merciful. So you can see when God judges, he also shows mercy. He says, your little ones, which you told me I was going to let them get eaten up. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to prove you to be a liar. Through your own children. I'm going to spare them. And they're going to cross over. And they're going to do the job you refuse to do. This is why we have so many ups and downs. Revival and then the church dies. Revival and then the church dies. Revival and then the church dies. Because God's got to wait for all the, the bad mouths to be silenced. And the faith people to get strong enough. And big enough so they can fight. But listen, honey, God's got all the time in the world. He's not anxious for anything. Trust me. If we have to go another generation, another generation, another generation till he gets that group of people who will go in fearless for him, then that's what we're going to do. So he tells him, he said, I'm not going to curse your kids like you said I was going to do. I'll prove you to be a liar, but you are not going to make it. And he says, he says, I will show your children and bring them in into the land that you have despised. Ooh, it's a strong word. 
Well, I didn't say I despised it. No, you didn't say it, but you act like it. Huh? God knows what's going on. You will try to correct him now, huh? Yeah, you despise what God tells you to do if you refuse to do it. What does it cost us to obey God? Just get up and worship him. Get up and praise him. Get up and read the word. And then when God says so, to go and and do the things that he's equipped you to do, what does it hurt us to do those things? He wants us to cling to him as our first love. Because trust me, once the devil get finished whooping ideas through your head and causing people to turn against him, you're going to need somebody to love you unconditionally. Amen? You're going to need to cling, cleave to him. He says, verse 32, but as for you, your carcasses, they shall fall in this wilderness. And your children shall wander in the wilderness 40 years and bear your whoredoms until your carcasses are wasted in the wilderness. After the number of days in which you have searched the land, even 40 days, each day for a year shall you bear your iniquities, even 40 years, and you shall know my breach of promise. In other words, every year that you told me you weren't going to do it, I'm, I'm, adding a, uh, I'm giving you a year for every day. In other words, 40 days I tested you, couldn't tough it out. Well, I'm going to give you a year for that. Huh? Ooh, that's a tough sense. Ain't there no mercy? Yeah, get up and do what God told you to do. At any time, any of those people could have repented and say, God, I'm going to believe you. I'm ready. Let me go over here and talk to Joshua and Caleb. Let me repent and get back over here. Huh? But they never believed God's word for the blessing or the curse. I, the Lord, have said, and I will surely, is covenant language again, surely, verily, doubtless, In other words, I ain't moving on this one. I will surely do it into all this evil. Ooh, evil. I'm saved. You won't obey God. That are gathered together against me. In this wilderness, they shall be consumed and there they shall die. And the men which Moses sent out to search the land who returned and made all the congregation to murmur against him. Your words have power and influence on people. Especially if they're fearful words and they're negative words. Look at all these people. I was reading there was a a young lady that uh, had an incident. She got sick, couldn't breathe. They thought it was COVID. They took her in, tested her. They isolated her. They found she didn't have that. She had pleurisy. Why? From rebreathing her bacteria in the, the mask they made her wear all the time at work. And see, now you see all these people clinging to that mask like it's their salvation. Huh? You better listen to God. I'm going to tell you, everybody needs to listen to God. Because this is the test, folks. He promised us the 2020 is 40. 40 is the number of testing. We be tested double. 
but we would pass every test because you cling to him and you obey him. I'm not failing. I don't know. I don't know about you, but I have perfected the art of repentance and begging to get a do-over. Huh? I mean, if you don't do everything right, go to the next level. Huh? Learn how to humble yourself and turn around and say, God, could I please do that? I see what I did wrong now. Could I please do a makeup exam? I mean, I'll do it for half credit. I don't have to have special credit on this one. I'll do it for half credit. You know, during the civil rights movement, that, that song, I've come too far to turn back now, that song motivated people to keep pressing in until they got laws changed everywhere. Those were people of faith. They weren't out there breaking up nothing and looting and trying to do all this kind of exotic stuff. They prayed. Martin Luther King Jr. will say that now. He said, oh, I love those days. He said, we would pray and sing a hymn and go out. He said, and we were able to meet. He said, nobody was afraid. Nobody, why? They went under the authority of God. When you go out under God's authority, you don't need a, a sword, a, a physical weapon. Peter thought he was going to protect Jesus and went and cut somebody's ear off and Jesus healed a man, put it back on. He said, no, look, Peter, this, this ain't this kind of party. You understand what I'm saying? We ain't never done this kind of action before. We ain't going to start now. I don't care what the devil is threatening. You always stay in the heavenlies when you do your warfare. You don't have to come down to people's level. You come down to their level, you find yourself repent. You look around, everything's against you and say, ooh, I ain't been here since before. I got saved. I'm a Lord, how'd I get here? Show me the way out. I'm sorry. Huh? First thing out of your mouth. The men that Moses sent out to find out good things about the land returned and made the congregation murmur against him by bringing up a slander. Slander is anything that's, that's ill speaking and against the truth. Huh? Where you know it's not true and you choose to say false things as slander. Well, yeah, I mean, everything that, now, 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 I just give you that much. They got grapes. It takes two of them with a, a pole between them to carry one cluster of grapes. Grapes dragging the ground. They got a trail of wine all the way from, from Canaan over where they are. Amen. Yeah, but see, it's people there. Oh. Now, it's not like God ain't said nothing about their enemies before. God don't need to elaborate on what your enemy looks like. What size he is, like that matters. What they can do. and uh, God had never told you nothing like that. All he needs to tell you is what's going to happen to them once you get there. And what happens to every enemy that stands against a child of God? They fall. They don't stand. 
He told them, I'm going to be with you. Everybody that stands against you will fall for my sake. Not because you feel powerful and you feel mighty and you feel all that. You've been in the gym and you've been bulking up. And He wouldn't even let them keep horses that were able to run fast. So horses would have to have their tendons cut. It's called huffing. They cut the Achilles tendon on their horses. They were only to use them as beasts of burden and and for out in the fields and for just personal getting around. They were not to be strong for war. He don't want you to pay. Oh, excuse me. Really? You really think God needs something you know how to do to get you something he's promised you? He said, if I was hungry, I wouldn't tell you. Y'all beat and took my food. He said, I own everything. I don't have to ask you for nothing. He said, this ain't for me, darling. It's for you. Amen. You don't bring nothing to the table. Empty yourself of everything. Everything we own is a liability anyway. Even the best that we have to offer God don't need. I remember when I first started doing sermons, I would try to draw from my vast knowledge of well after all I was a nursing instructor in a college I can draw from my vast and every time I would try to put anything medical, scientific God would go shoot the anointing would just evaporate and I'm up there standing talking for me. God said, didn't I tell you I don't need nothing you got? I said, come on, God. I could, I could dazzle some people. Not, no, not for me, you don't. You don't dazzle nobody. Let's cut it out. Stick to the subject. Huh? I'm not T.D. Jakes. Okay. I don't have God stepping on to the precipice. The interesting thing too is the Bible says that God, you know what he saves out of all the work that's done on the earth? Our prayers are are, are held in heaven. That's what he saves. I'm saying, God, you mean my sermons? He said, the language you use sometime, I don't want that up here. He said, you call have women hoes. I said, they are. He said, well, that's why I don't want that up here. Just the prayers, Barb. Just the prayers. Well, God, I do become all things to all people that by all means I might win some. He said, that's cool. You understand what I'm saying? He said, but it ain't coming up here. I want holy stuff up here. I'll I'll receive your prayers. And I said, well, Lord, I thank you because I'm going to do more praying than preaching from now on. You understand what I'm saying? So we have more stuff up here. Praise God. Amen. And that goes for you, too. Your prayers are held up there. 
God considers them precious because they're rare. If the earth were filled with prayer, it wouldn't be so precious to God, would it? But that's rare. Amen? So uh, Moses told all these sayings to all the children of Israel, and the people mourned greatly. And they rose up early in the morning, got them to the top of the mountain, and saying, Lo, we're here, and we will go up into the place which the Lord has promised, for we have sinned. And Moses said, Why are you... (laughs) <laughs> what are you doing this now? Amen. He says, wherefore now do you digress to transgress the commandment of the Lord? He said, it's not going to do you any good. In other words, it's too late for you to have take 40 years to come to your senses. Now, God gives us a long time, but I'm going to tell you something. We don't have time to waste. You don't have time to play games with people about their salvation or about their repentance or about anything like that. You need to be praying prayers to ask God to hasten them into the kingdom. God, can you put a rush order on this 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 relative of mine that hasn't come to their senses yet or confessed Christ yet? Put a rush order on this one. And he says, don't go up for the Lord is not among you. Because if you do that, you're going to get killed in front of your enemies. In other words, the promise, the deal is off. You've had long enough in God's eyes to fulfill it. So it's over now. You ever see people that used to really be a part of things in God and slack off, trail off? Oh, boy. Don't, so please don't let me beg. Don't let me have to plead for you to think of somebody that used to sit next to you, that ain't here no more. What you laughing at, did you? <laughs> no. I don't know what's so. You understand what I'm saying? It's common. We're all in it until it gets too rough. But you ever notice those people seldom come back to what God had for them, they live at a, a, you know, like the the woman with the the daughter that that was crazy and she wanted Jesus to heal her, and she said, "Even we can have crumbs off." Well, this is where most Christians eat; they live off the crumbs. God's got a, a plate, a table set for His children. Healing is the children's bread. See, the the portion that God has for you is at the table. It's not on the flow. You not no dog. But many of them would refuse to sit at the table. You ever see people that, that get nervous if you invite them to dinner? They don't want to sit down and eat with anybody. And you say, you know what, we got so much here, I'll just pack you up some of those. They, they rather had a doggy bag all the time. And if that's you, just say, I repent. <laughs> you know, there's a lot to the table, and you understand what I'm saying. It's covenant, getting rid of shame, humbling yourself, 
accepting hospitality, whether it's it's uh, bountiful or if it's scant, you humble yourself and accept it because you think it's an honor to have that offered to you. That's the whole idea of the Father's table. That's the whole thing. Like he said, there's still not enough people at my table yet for my supper. And he sends out and has more people come in because there's so many people who are living on the outside of their privileges in God because they won't get that fixed up between them and God and take their rightful place at the Father's table. Some people even set their own fake table. Huh? Well, I'm a queen. Ain't no queen spots up there in the father. Now, wait a minute. Now, I just, I'm the bride. I know that. And I'm still being perfected so that I can take my place there. But we don't have no spot for no queens. A, B, C, D, Q. No, I ain't no Qs on the dinner list. Huh? See, we'd rather fake it and make up our own position in God's kingdom than to live in our designated. See, the things that God has for us are designated for us from the foundation of the earth. They can't be changed. They cannot be changed. He's put, listen, sister, he's put this in you from from before the foundation of the earth. What you're called to do cannot be altered or changed one little bit. And the Lord's telling me to tell you, keep walking the straight path and you will get there. He says, don't look to the right or the left. He said, diversion has been a problem for you in the past. Many have told you this way and that way. But God says, I've kept it in your heart. So you never got peace about any other way except the way that I'm taking you now, says the Lord. He says, and you're going to catch up. He says, I will do things rapidly in your life because now is the rapid season. So, so stay stay on that path. Stay where he's got you right now. Amen? Yeah. It it might be a little rough sometimes, a little bumpy here and there. What you shaking your head for? That's what I thought. <laughs> I think yes, but no, it's right. You're right, it's no. <laughs> Amen. You know, I mean God wants us to be successful. You know, everything in his kingdom is strange when you first get. Huh? Y'all doing good. I have toned down a lot. (laughs) I used to be up on a chandelier swinging. You understand what I'm saying? But, but, you know, we have to accept what he has for us by faith. And know that that's the best way for us to go. We're walking by the inside, not by the outside. Amen? Not by what we see out here, but what's being revealed in here to us. Amen? Amen. But people don't come back because for some of them it's too late to repent and get that position back to God. You think God's playing with us? You think he's playing with people? You can just play around like this? for you? Oh, you can come to church and fornicate. It's, it's okay. When you least suspect it, shoop. I don't care who you see on Facebook preaching in cleavage. 
Israel lived in Kadesh. Kadesh Barnea was as far as they wanted to go. That was the edge of the promised land. And after that, they would go over and have to fight. They lived right on the edge of it. Could see the promised land every day they got up. I was too scared to go over. The enemy's too big for us. We're like grasshoppers in their sight. Amen? In other words, every time you look over there and say you can't do it, you call God a liar. And see, when God, when he promises you something, he wants you to embrace it and not refuse it because to refuse it means it makes him look bad before you, like he's setting you up for failure. Like you got so much to lose. You understand what I'm saying? You came in this world naked. Everything you got, he gave you. Now all of a sudden you're going to lose something to continue to obey him? And see, we all have to obey him at a risk from time to time. Sometimes you're risking what you think you know about God. You don't have to alter that, change that, add something to it. Let something go from it. You're going to have to change the way you hear. Change how your ears hear certain words. So that you can accept what God is saying and embrace it and move on. It's for a reason. There are many things you think you know and you think you got it all down pat. and You think you understand that. And then God will come by and then begin to feed something else to you and you realize You know what, God, I'm going to have to call myself a liar or you, one of the two, and I think I'll be the liar, amen, and just have peace with you because I thought I knew something and I realized that now I really don't, amen. There's more to learn. There's more to understand. There's more to discern. There's more to embrace. Did I do Deuteronomy 2.14? Sorry about that. He says, and in the space, Deuteronomy 2 verse, in the space in which we came from Kadesh Barnea, that's the edge of, of the wilderness, until we were come over the brook Zered was 30 and 8 years. It took them 38 years to get probably about 15 or 20 miles. It's like an inch a year maybe. I don't know. <laughs> That's slow. That's worse than snail slow. Until all the generation of the men of war were wasted out from among the host as the Lord swore unto them. For indeed the hand of the Lord was against them to destroy them from among the host until they were consumed. Many times when we, we are, are Obeying God and understanding moves of God. You know, I'd like to see God move faster. I know most of us would. We like to see progress. We like to see things happen. But you've got to understand that God works in the invisible realm. And many times he's not ready ready to reveal, you know, to show his hand, so to speak, to all of us. Because of strategies and the wiles of the enemy against us. So many times you're going to have to take it by faith that God is is moving. He's doing. 
He's fulfilling his his word. He's doing what he's supposed to do. That's why we have this suddenly phrase that we throw out sometimes. It may be sudden to you, but it's been brewing behind the scenes for many years. God's just revealed it to you now. And God can reveal the same situation to different people and get different reactions from everybody. Some people say it's God. Some people say it ain't God. Some people say uh, God wouldn't do that. God wouldn't do that. I don't know what God would do. Because I don't have his mind. I don't have his heart. I got a little bit of understanding of some things. But I don't have enough to just be the spokesperson for him. And tell you what he would or would not do. God hears the prayers of people who believe him. Amen. And he'll hear the prayers of people that don't even cry out to him through through the intercessions of other people. You don't know what God's responding to. I was dealing with some people who are doing some work <clears throat> for me and and um it's a couple. I know they're not married. And the young lady was telling me um I had mentioned something to her about Oh, I know what it was. They had to correct some work that somebody else had done. And I told him, I said, well, I figured I'd give the young man a chance. I see he's a veteran. <clears throat> I said, he's got some mental problems. I said, you know, I said, I kind of have compassion and patience with people like that because I, I had a, a, a severe depression many years ago. And so I had to take her aside and show her a few things that needed I need to be done and I had some things I was going to bless her with and and so while we were walking over to the outbuilding she uh told me she said yeah she said I'm I'm so glad that that uh, you're doing this for me she said I have to replace some things she said I recently lost my place where I lived and I had to leave behind so many things that were important to me she said when you mentioned depression you never know <laughs> a little word like that and I'm thinking, seriously? Everybody's bored with my testimony. You know, I usually let them go to the bathroom for 10 minutes while I give it, you know. <laughs> so you know what I'm saying. I mean, come on now. Once you heard it, you heard it. But you know, and, and that's the way I perceive it. But God has you open your mouth for a reason, you know. And I'm used to letting him fill mine with words, you know what I'm saying. Get used to it. And so I told her, I said, well, I said, well, honey, all I can tell you, I said, are you, I said, are you a person who prays? You know, now, I I know enough to know that somebody's living with somebody and they ain't married. But also know that I tend to be religious about things like that. Huh? You don't know who God hears, why he hears them, but he said, I'll have mercy on what? Whomever I have and I qualify. But I asked her, I said, I said, I don't know what you think about God or, or if you pray or if I said, but I just encourage you to just cry out to God and ask him. I said, he wants to restore you. I said, he doesn't want your heart broken about losses or anything. I said, she said, I said, I know. I said, I sound like a crazy woman to people sometimes. I'm about God all the time. She said, no. She said, no, no. She said, I'm going to tell you a story. And she said, I like deer. She said, I hunt. I like to go out in the woods. She said, I've always 
had that, she said, and when I would be out in the woods sometimes, I would hear the voice of hummingbirds. She said, I like both of those things. She said, and I had been asking God, am I doing the right thing? She said, and I just went out in the backyard, and she said, a deer, I could see a deer way off, and she said, hummingbirds were over my head. And she said, and I knew then I made the right decision, and I should stay where I am until he gives me something better. And see, my religious self wants to jump up and say, but you shacked up. But I restrained my religious self. How many of y'all know you got to let God be God? If he wants to bless somebody, don't take it from him. You don't know what he's going to do for people. And I buttoned it up and didn't say nothing else. You understand what I'm saying? I said, well, I'm, I'm glad. I said, just stay encouraged in here. Amen. Just stay encouraged. He's with you. He wants to help you. And that's true. He wants to help everybody. Amen. That's why we pray for people. That's why we intercede for people. It's on that strength that God loves and wants to help everybody that we're able to pray for people. So here Israel did not go in all that 38 years. They stayed on the edge. If only we knew how close we were to the promise. How close we are to entering in and really getting what God, what we've been longing for. See, we're all on the brink. We're all on the edge. For most of us, it will take one more confession, one more day of worship, one more day of praise. And if it's not one more day, then the next day it'll be one more day. You understand what I'm saying? It takes as long as it takes, but we're all on the edge of receiving everything God has for us. But you got to fight for it. What do you got to fight? You got to fight yourself. You got to fight your own unbelief. You got to fight your own doubt. Well, God, you I know you wanted this for me when I first started. He said, wasn't that yesterday? And you like, that was 30 years. Huh? He said, I didn't notice. I just know I got it over here for you. It's still waiting on you. It's still out here in glory for you. But you got to drop some of that. You can't come in here with all that baggage. Now, you can't walk in this door ain't big enough to get you, your doubts, your fears, your religion, your condemnation, your anger, your unfaith. We can't fit all that up in here. Now, you got to come proper, but you can still get in. See, we're thankful we live in a different dispensation than Israel. They had 40 years, but see, that's a lot, really, considering where they were. For most of us, for most things, it won't take that long. And if it takes that long, so what? You know you can survive. You'll know you, you know you get fed every day. They have manna every day. If they got fat, their clothes got bigger. If they shrunk, the clothes got smaller. Then the feet didn't swell up because of walking so much and standing so much. So they were healthy. They stayed healthy until they just dropped, dropped dead one day. Their carcasses fell, the Bible said. It didn't say they got sick. 
Yeah, even under the curse, you could fall dead healthy. What's our problem? Joshua led them all of that time from Kadesh Barnea to the land of Goshen to Gibeon. When you obey God, you get not only what he gives you, but also what you desire. you got to remember that. God is looking at what's in your heart. The reason Israel got cursed, it was in their heart to have that. Because they always thought God meant them ill. It'll never be as good as it was back there before I got saved. Oh, Barb, people don't say that. You don't say it. There are some that do, or they wouldn't go back. Some of them never really leave. They try to bring Egypt over into the promised land with them. Call them hypocrites. Warfare entails taking a stand for or against something and refusing to move. That's what we do. That's a New Testament warfare. You take a stand. You refuse to be talked out of it. You just refuse to move. No, this is what God's word says. I'm going to take my, uh, I stake my claim on this piece of property and I'm not moving. You're a prospector. Only it's been given to you. Warfare also entails taking authority in the realm of the spirit. In other words, you forbid the devil to do certain things. You make him stop. Well, see, I just pray prayers of blessing. Well, you're going to fall short, sweetie. The devil will take your prayers of blessing and eat them for lunch. It also entails resisting the enemy of God's kingdom. Not your little petty, sometime friends that you ain't no more of a friend to them than they are to you. It also means relinquishing your freedom of choice, as in Paul, a bondservant of the Lord Jesus Christ. You sign up as a servant and a slave, and you stay chained up to Christ. Warfare also means speaking against the opposition in the face of opposition. We're talking about spiritual things. Not getting on a picket line and getting up in somebody's face and talking bad to them. That's when you get punched out. You all know better. It also means speaking into the spirit the things of God. Ephesians 3. Making known the principalities and powers the manifold wisdom of God. What you mean making known? They don't know. Yeah, they do, but they don't know you know. And they're not going to move out of the way until you tell them. Well, well, if I tell them what they're going to do, you'll find out when you tell them. Ooh! Ooh, Pastor Barb, that sounds so risque. Huh? If that sounds risky, what do you think knowing to do the right thing and not doing it is? Didn't Israel know what to do when they refused to do it? You're going to be like them. We already read they didn't wind up real good. So your back is against the wall. Your only choice is to risk taking a stand for God 
and seeing what all your your uh longtime Christian friends gonna tell you. Huh? Your buds, your best buds in the ministry and all that kind of stuff. You step out and you take a real stand for God and you see what people around you really believe. Huh? I know people who will 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 send people here and they won't come. Them watchmen, now you go over there, girl, and them people get that devil out of you. They straighten you out. Huh? But they don't come and get any power to do the same thing. You see what I'm saying? Where people say, oh, yeah, you can be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know how to do it, and I don't really speak in tongues, but I know some people can get you there. Huh? Oh, yeah. Some of your best advertisement is from scared people. Sure. They scared of you, scared of what you do, ain't going to sit up under you. Huh? They little inner demon gets to rumbling around. They get nervous, start sweating, and never come back anymore. Well, that's okay. We love them anyway. Huh? No harm, no foul. I don't take it personally. It's just kingdom business. But I'm not coming down. See, I don't betray God to make friends with people. Amen. You got you got to be like that. I heard people say behind my back, I don't think she wants any friends. Huh? Well, why should I pal around with critics? You going to talk about me behind my back? What kind of friend is that? I think I made the right choice in passing you up. Like you just fell off the truck. I know I'm over. I'm sorry. I'm just feeling wonderful that no I'm just you know <laughs> no. but you got to be this way see you can't be sweet to everybody Jesus wasn't sweet to everybody you know I can go in churches among religious people and I don't call them snakes and vipers huh John the Baptist was a prophet. Huh? Told him to get lost when they come up to his meeting. He said, who told you this, this was some kind of, uh, uh, what do you call it? get out of jail free card party? Now you know you ain't believing nothing, so don't even rush up in here like that. Just go on back where you came from. Brother Summerall would tell people that. He, he built a new church and people and he said, how many of you are members of another church? And they raised their hands. He said, get out of here. Go back to where you came from. Huh? You belong to somebody else. Huh? Not many pastors are strong enough to do that. Or even seek God for the people that really belong to them. Amen? And so when you have certain things to do in God's kingdom, you have to obey him all the way down the line. You can't cheat. Can't be scared to take a stand on something. Can't be scared to stand out. Amen? Because God wants a bride that's like him. I said, Jesus, you're full of spiritual muscle. You know how to fight. I don't Right in there with you. Ride or die. You know what I'm saying? Get on the back of that motorcycle and we take off. Amen? That's where you got to be. Somebody that loves him and he can love you back in the way he wants to love you. Amen? All right, we'll stop. Father, we thank you for your word and thank you for understanding of our warfare. 
It's your warfare first. And it is ours. We share in it. Share in the spoils. We share in the power. We share in the authority. We share in everything that is yours. And right now I speak to everybody on the sound of my voice, people on the internet, wherever you are. Receive the anointing of God in the name of Jesus. Receive the anointing and the power of God for warfare in Jesus' name. That you not wrestle against flesh and blood, don't you dare, but you wrestle against principalities and powers. Rulers over darkness, names, thrones, dominions, everything that would rise up against the power of God, you take authority over it and you render it harmless and ineffective against this world and the people of this world. And God will bless you and he will honor you and he will love you like never before. And we thank you, Father, for the authority and the power of your Holy Spirit In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Amen, amen, and amen again. Amen. We are dismissed. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Praise God.